your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Lefty comes set. Here's the 2-2 pitch to Matthews. Matthews hits one well to left, backing up his aid. He's to the wall, and it is off the top of the wall. One run scores. Here comes Everett to score. Bouldering around in third is Banjoff. And for the second time this season, Bryce Matthews has delivered a bases-clearing double. This one gives Nebraska a 7-6 lead. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, it's the matchup we all wanted to see, right? Gonzaga-Baylor. And it's going to go down in about two hours tonight. I cannot wait. After that classic semifinal game, the Zags bank one in from 40 feet out to beat UCLA in overtime. Here we go tonight. I'm Jack. I'm ready to roll. Hope, uh, great to have you with us here tonight. Thanks for spending some of your Monday night with us. We're honored and privileged to have you a part of the program tonight. A full three hours coming your way, so we'll be on the air when that game gets underway in Indianapolis at about 8.20 tonight. So we'll be able to keep you updated on some of the first-half action of that matchup between, I think, the two best teams in college basketball all year long were these two. And, and here we go. It doesn't happen very often in college basketball that you get this kind of dream matchup. The tournament is just set up for so many upsets that so many times you don't. it doesn't happen. You get a five seed, a six seed, or somebody in there that gets to play for a national title. They just get hot late and win it, and that's fine. That's the beauty of the sport. That's kind of the way it's outlined and laid out for it. But tonight we do. We get that uh, that great matchup, so we'll keep an eye on that coming up on the third hour of the program. Oscar football practice today. We'll have a practice report coming your way here in a little bit. We heard from the quarterback, Adrian Martinez, his coach, Mario Verdusco, and Ryan Held, the running backs coach. So we'll get into some of those two positions as the Oscars get into their second week of workouts. Uh, that practice report coming your way here in a couple of minutes. Second hour of the program, the head baseball coach, as Tim just told you, of the first place Nebraska Court Oscars will be here. He'll be ready to take your comments, questions, calls uh, about Husker baseball. As Nebraska goes on the road this weekend and takes two out of three from Illinois, an Illinois team that can really hit the baseball. Um, the Huskers had to put up some offense, and they did, to take two out of those three games uh, to get out of Champaign with a series victory and into first place in the league with Michigan's loss today to Maryland, who will be the team that's coming to um, Lincoln this weekend. The Terps also a team that can certainly hit uh, hit the baseball quite a bit. They'll be here uh, for a three-game series beginning Friday night, 6.30 for first pitch for the Friday night baseball game. Uh, also, we'll have our weekend winners coming up in an hour three following our weekend rewind. Ben will look back at some of the exciting things that happened in the sports world over the weekend, and there was a lot of a lot of things that happened. You had the, a terrific women's championship game last night between Arizona and Stanford. It was an all-Pac-12 championship on the women's side uh the cardinal prevail by a point a pretty exciting finish to that game so ben will recap all the weekend activities for us in the weekend rewind and of course we want you to be a part of this one as well 531-500-4686 either with a call or a text utilizing our u.s cellular text line proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the huskers u.s cellular connecting husker nation you're ready for this game tonight, aren't you? I mean, you get, how, if you love college basketball, how can you not like this one tonight between Gonzaga and Baylor? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
preseason AP one and two teams in the country. I think they were one and two basically the entire year. So, you know, in terms of, you know, quality of basketball, it's definitely got that cachet tonight. So, yeah, I've, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Prediction? Um, well, Gonzaga's been my horse the whole tournament, so yeah. I'm going to keep riding it till the end. Uh, although I think Baylor and their Final Four matchup looked really, really good. So uh, I'm expecting a good game. A um, lot of pace up and down the floor, which I think will be exciting to watch. But I'm going to I'm going to stick to with what got me here. I'm going to roll rolls Gonzaga. Yeah, and, and they were my they were my pre tournament pick as well. And and up until Saturday, they really hadn't been pushed, and they they definitely got pushed. I mean, UCLA. Did everything, made a bunch of shots, played a perfect game. Great job by Mick Cronin and that staff that included former Husker assistant Michael Lewis to punch a lot of right buttons in that thing to push Gonzaga to the end of that game. But the Zags made the plays late, got the bank shot from Suggs uh, to win it in the end of the first overtime. And so on to the, the championship game tonight. That will be fun. Ben, Tim, Tim had this in the ticker. Nebraska gets a commitment from a seven-footer. We don't say that very often around here, do we? Big seven-foot guy from Lithuania commits to Fred Hoiberg's team today. Uh, Yolga Koyanitz is now going to be a Cornhusker. What do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the first thing that stands out is his height. I mean, as you said, it's it's not necessarily an everyday occurrence that you know you get a you get a seven-footer. Um, I think Koyanitz is an interesting path to get here. You can put another uh, thumbtack on your map of Huskers <laughs> coming to Lincoln <laughs> from a new country. I don't think we've crossed off Lithuania yet, but, you know, for those that playing that are playing uh, country bingo with Husker basketball players, you can cross that box off. But, yeah, I mean, interesting path. A really athletic family. His dad played professionally overseas for a long, long time. And, you know, obviously the, the height gets people excited around here. With the yacht, with the loss to Ivan, you know, to to the transfer portal, you need another big, and they go take care of business there today. So, um, you know, Koyanitz coming over um, from from a prep school in Ohio, and um, you know, the announcement of also today that Pinson, the, the the transfer guard from Missouri, has Nebraska in their final four. I, I in his final four, I think it was a pretty big day in terms of recruiting. And, you know, you hope that uh, things can continue to snowball in the right direction uh, for Husker Hoops. He's, he's going to have to put on some weight. He, he's pretty slender, uh, so that, that'll be project number one because you, you, if you're going to play down low in this league, and he's, that's where he's going to be, you, you, you better have some beef or you're going to get just shoved around. And uh, I know that Nebraska knows that. They're going to get him in the weight room. Coach Wilson will work with him and, and try to beef him up. I don't know that he's a huge, impactful guy right away, but, man, you, you love the upside, right? I, I just don't know that this is a guy that comes in and lights it up next year. I hope he does. Maybe he will, but my anticipation is he's a guy in year two and year three that you really see get some development going. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys that come from overseas need work. Um, you know, they're, it's a different game that they play over there. And in this case, you know, he's still in high school. So they rarely come to Lincoln with all of the proper skills that you need to be competitive in this, in this league right away. But um, you can't, you can't, Grow them north to south, as we always say. So, you know, Coach Wilson will do his best to grow them east to west, east to west, put some weight on him, change his diet, and, you know, do all the 
the things necessary to get him, you know, competitively at this level physically to where he can go compete. So, yeah, I'm excited about the prospect of, of what he can do here. And um, absolutely, I think the, the height will, will be enough alone uh, just to get people excited about what he can do on the floor. And don't forget Wilhelm, Wilhelm Breidenbach, who signed with Nebraska in November. He's another guy, 6'10", 6'11", kind of in that same ilk, but he's more of a guy that will play out on the floor. He'll remind you more of Brandon Ubell, I think, than than a big guy that will be inside. But we certainly see people across the country that use those stretch fours, and I think that's what Wilhelm will do. So that's another big body coming into the Nebraska program for next year. So it was exciting news to wake up to today to have some of that have popping for Husker basketball. You and I just got back from Champaign. What a weekend. This Husker team is just really an entertaining team to follow and watch and listen to. And um, they're creative in the ways that they score. Uh, we saw a steal of home in yesterday's game. We saw aggressive base running throughout the weekend by Nebraska. And, and that's that's another nice notch in Nebraska's belt to go beat a pretty talented Illinois team on their home field. That was, a, to me, a, an impressive weekend again for Will Bolt's squad. Yeah, man, it was – we showed up to the park on Sunday with high hopes, with Shaneman taking the, taking the mound and considering Illinois' pitching situation, but – yeah, as Coach Bolt said in the in the post game with us, that, that that team came ready to play. They threw a pretty heavy punch at Nebraska right away. Hit the two run homer in the first inning and got out to a five nothing lead. The Huskers were down four nothing after the first inning on Saturday, and they did a good job coming from behind. And yet here, um, you know, you have them in a, in a position down five nothing on Getaway Day, and um, they score a touchdown, kick a PAT in the sixth inning, score seven runs and just continued to put pressure on Illinois. And a lot like they did with Minnesota in the second game of that doubleheader on Saturday at Hawks Field, they just basically took all fight out of Illinois after that inning. And um, they just kind of showed their will and basically announced to the ballpark, we're the better team, we believe we're the better team, and we're going to show we're the better team. Uh, And we're going to make you think that we're the better team. And that's exactly what happened. You got a great bullpen outing from Cody Frank and, you know, just the coach's ability. I, I feel like for the first time, Greg, we saw the the coaches get their hands all over this offense starting on Friday in that eighth inning when they um, started stealing bags and stealing bases, getting really aggressive. They, they had the same thing going, you know, yesterday in the eighth inning where they started stealing bases, the steal of home, which is something they picked up on film. And they, they noticed that, you know, sometimes Illinois' catcher can get lazy with the with the ball back to the pitcher. And you got to give a lot of credit to the guts of Bryce Matthews in that situation um, to want to do that and, and to just take off and make it happen. So uh, an inside-the-park home run, a steal of home, it was a wild day. But, you know, you're, we were feeling really good. And I know fans, based on the social media activity, were feeling really good about not only the Huskers' performance yesterday, but the way they've played all season. Yeah, pretty good start to the year. Tim Tim mentioned this in the tickers. Well, Michigan played and wrapped up their weekend today with Maryland. They got blasted today, losing seventeen to seven. So with that loss, 
Nebraska has a half a game lead in the standings heading into this next weekend of play. Michigan has played one more game to this point than Nebraska has. So Maryland comes to town, three-game series at Haymarket Park, 6.30 for the first pitch on Friday night. Our network coverage will begin at 6 o'clock. Buckle up, put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. So full show coming your way tonight, full practice report coming up. Can't wait to hear from Mario Verdusco, Ryan Held, even Adrian Martinez. QB1 had a chance to talk to the media today. First time we've heard from Adrian since the Rutgers, the conclusion of the Rutgers game back in December. We'll get into all of that coming up next. Time for us to get into tonight's practice report. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. And tonight's practice report brought to you by JTech Construction. JTech Construction, the official exterior experts of the Huskers. Going to talk some offense tonight, aren't we? Yeah, skill positions, quarterback, running back. That's enough to get me excited. Um, we'll hear from Adrian Martinez here in a second. Also quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco, running backs coach Ryan Held, all chatting uh, with members of the media today. We'll start first with the player, Adrian Martinez, returning back to Nebraska as presumably the starting quarterback for the Big Red. And uh, first asked by the media on what having experience means to him. Yeah, well, I always think experience is a good thing, um, and I, I would say more so in leadership than in other areas too. I mean, I can really give advice to some of the young guys, whether that's in my position group or you know around the offense, even on the defense. I've been through it. Um, I've played in some some Big Ten games. You know, I know what the standard is, what we need to get to, so I can help hold those guys accountable. Greg, I really don't don't have time anymore to to fall down the YouTube rabbit holes of watching old Husker games um, online like I do in the summertime. But uh, it wasn't all that long ago that I was watching the Colorado game, <laughs> the first one at Memorial Stadium, and it just feels like yesterday that Martinez number two was running out there for his first snap as a Husker quarterback, and I also feel like he's been here for about five years at the same time, and he definitely has plenty of experience under his belt. He's kind of a gray beard, right? I mean, he's got that much game experience under him, and he certainly experienced some highs and a lot of lows, and I think that helps you grow as a person. And I don't think there's any doubt. He, he's the unquestioned leader of this football team. He's the face of the program right now. That comes with being the number one quarterback, and I'm, I'm very comfortable that, that's, that it's him. I, I've always been a big Adrian fan. As have I. I know his health is always a question, and people probably wondering how he used his offseason to treat his body. He talked about how he felt physically. I feel good. I feel good, yeah. Um, last offseason I was dealing with, uh, I mean, obviously COVID was a, a whole separate deal, but uh, dealing with an injury and recovering from that. This offseason it's nice uh, not to have to deal with that and just focus on getting stronger, faster, and I feel lean and, and ready to go. That was one of the observations from the media today, too, that it looked like Adrian had slimmed down a little bit. And as he said, he was rehabbing from the shoulder surgery at this time a year ago and obviously in better shape right now. Um, a lot of questions about Adrian's downfield passing last year after watching uh, the season unfold in Nebraska's lack of downfield passing game. And Adrian 
um, talked about his arm and if he feels like that, his arm strength has improved. You know, I would say it's reps and uh, an effort, you know, a, a focused effort on doing those things. You know, I wanted to focus on that this offseason. One of the things, leaning out a little bit, getting faster, um, and then continuing to improve my arm strength and, and throwing the football. And we really put some time in uh, heading into spring ball, and I feel good about that. You hope, Greg, a couple of things. The offseason improvement that Adrian took upon himself, but also his targets downfield. You hope these things combined make that aspect a little bit better. I think the only um, real downfield pass that Nebraska converted was a third and long to Wandale down the sideline against Rutgers. That's really the only one I can think of. Um, but that, that area, without a doubt, has to get better. Yeah, you're better when you have more weapons around you, right? And and it it was a little skinny. It's been skinny the last couple of years. Wandale was great. J.D. Spielman was really good. And when those, we had the two, but last year there were times that just, there wasn't there wasn't anybody open for him to go, and so he or if it was Luke McCaffrey at the time had to take off and run with the football. I don't mind Adrian running; he's really good at that. Uh, but bigger plays can be made in the passing game, but you have to have receivers who can separate, get open, and make plays for you. Go get the ball sometimes, and I think maybe there's a chance that's going to happen with this group as we get ready to line up in the fall. One thing that needs to be an emphasis, and I know has been an emphasis, we'll hear more uh, from the quarterback coach here in just a second, is cutting down the turnover, specifically with Adrian in the quarterback position. And Coach, uh, excuse me, Adrian spoke today about how to eliminate some of those giveaways from his spot. Part of it's film, part of it's better decision-making, and it has to be an effort on my part to, uh, really, it's ball security. I feel good about... Uh, the interception piece to an extent. I obviously need to clean those up, but ball security. I, I really hurt my team when I fumble the ball, um, and that hurts the defense. Obviously, the offensive side of the ball and the turnover margin we need to limit. So effort in practice, uh, film room when it comes to decision-making, and continuing to uh, put a concentrated you know, effort and focus on those things. I, I, I've said this a lot, but I'm such a fan of Adrian, what he does. Ben, over the weekend, the football department put out a video kind of in a day in the life of Adrian Martinez. Uh, through our, It's called Through Our Eyes, Episode 1, and it picked him up getting in his car at his apartment or wherever he lives in town, driving in while it's pitch dark to get ready for a practice and then in the study hall area with his books open. Uh, what would you make of that? Well, I think it – it, it humanizes him, number one, um, which I think is necessary a lot of times, you know, and I, I think it really drives home the point of just how much is asked of these student athletes on a day-to-day basis. And that, and that piece you're talking about, Adrian talks about, for those that haven't seen it, um, you know, going to, going to school and practice when it's dark and coming home when it's dark. That's, that's a lot for a college student to have to, to have on their plate. And, yeah, as you said, it kind of follows him around throughout the day, through practice, through meals, and um, he's kind of answering some questions as as it progresses. And I mean, it's hard to walk away from that and and go, yeah, I I, I wish we had somebody else leading our team. You know what I mean? I mean, he's he's just such a put together individual who has life experience beyond football. And I think that, and, and we've always said that about Adrian since his freshman year about how. He's got such perspective on life, uh, regardless of how he plays on Saturdays, that it's allowed him to, 
you know, fight through this adversity and, and fight through the, the bad times and, you know, hopefully come out a better player and a better person because of it. It's a really good feature. It's about four minutes long. I mean, it's not just a quick 30-second thing and you're in and out. It's expansive. So if you haven't seen it, go look for it. Instagram, Twitter, whatever your social media, it's out on all the Husker accounts. It came out on the 3rd, so it came out on Saturday when they popped that out. It's really, really, really well done. All right, let's switch gears and talk about Adrian's quarterback coach, Mario Verduzco. He uh, spoke today about what he needs to see from his now senior quarterback. No more freaking turnovers. Coach Frost mentioned uh, the Rutgers game was probably the worst game and the best game I've ever seen, you know. Um, so uh, if he can eliminate the turnovers and take care of the football, and if he truly cares about his teammates, like I know he does, uh, evidenced by his behavior, you know, at the, the Penn State game, right? So if he cares like about his guys like I know he does, then, you know, take care of the ball. You know, those guys on defense don't, don't want to see turnovers. I don't want to see turnovers. Coach Frost absolutely does not want to see turnovers. I don't think anybody wearing scarlet and cream wants to see turnovers on Saturday, but um, I think it's a good thing that they're driving this point home. Stay away from those giveaways, and you know, a lot of times those determine the outcomes of games. What a great quote! I mean, what a great clip from with a couple of quotes inside of that clip from Mario Verduzco. Best game and worst game. It was kind of that way, right? At Rutgers, I mean, he had those those turnovers that were killers, and then yet he made unbelievable plays that if you don't have the turnovers, you probably win that game by 30. You blow them out. But he he shook off the mistakes that he made early in the game and played a great second half. And then when he referenced the Penn State game, that's the game that they decided to start Luke. And so Adrian didn't start, but he hung in there. There was even some video after that game where he said, it's not about me, it's not about him, it's about this team and this program, and let's go get it done. He showed a lot, I think, to a lot of people, the way he handled getting benched for that game against Penn State last year. There aren't very many college athletes that would have handled it like that um, in a situation like that with the limelight on you as a quarterback. And I think, you know, to kind of expound on your point uh, about, you know, the tale of two games – I think even just looking at the second play, the second fumble, that play in itself, right? I mean, it was a tremendous play from Adrian. He broke right. a few tackles. He, I think he gained 15 or 16 yards on the run, and then the guy puts his helmet on the ball. I mean, it, it, I think there's a lot that can be analyzed just in that one play of you see what happens when you don't turn the ball over. That's a 20-yard gain. We're moving the sticks. So I just, it's so, such a good individual effort that's capped off by, by a, tip, a giveaway. So I, I would agree with that completely. Well, Adrian getting a lot of the conversation, and rightfully so. But what about the other guys? Heinrich Harburg, freshman out of Kearney, and Logan Smothers. What are they doing right now? What does Coach Verdusco want to see out of them? Uh, the biggest to-do items for Logan uh, is actually very similar to, to, to Heinrich in, in a way of just – getting the opportunity to operate the system. You know, he, he didn't get any spring reps. Uh, his reps during fall were obviously limited. So this is like his spring ball. So just getting an opportunity to, to take the snaps, make the right keys and reads, and put the ball where it needs to be put. We all know that, that Adrian is, barring something very dramatic happening, going to be Nebraska's starting quarterback when the Huskers play the Illini next fall. But... I don't think it, the importance of the backup quarterback battle can be understated because while these guys are both basically starting fresh, 
one of these guys has to be ready to go in case something were to happen to Adrian, who, by the way, hasn't made it through an entire season healthy yet. So these guys are likely going to play at some point. And so you better be treating it like, you know, you're going to be going on that first game, whether you're, you think you're ready or not. Absolutely. And if they don't show something this spring, remember the old transfer portal still out there. Nebraska could go add somebody between now and, and August. I'm not saying they're going to do that, but they could if they don't like what they see from these guys. So it's a huge spring for Logan and Heinrich. And I mean, it, it is that they've got to prove why, why are you on scholarship and you need to show us you can be a guy that can we can count on if we have to go to you in a game. Let's narrow the focus a little bit to Logan Smothers, who by far has a, the bigger leg up because of being in the program for a year. Coach Radusco talked about his offseason and, and him changing his body. Yeah, he, um, he, he tested out real well. Um, he, he gained about 10 pounds, 11 pounds, and uh, lost some seconds in his 40, uh, which is a tribute to Coach DeVal and Coach Stop and those guys. Um, and we're just cleaning his stroke up. It looks good right now, and every day is a, a new day and a new challenge to to, to build those reps so that he feels comfortable. As we heard Coach Frost breaking down the different portions of the offseason, you kind of check that first box. It sounds like the first box was a green, was a go, pass for Smothers, and now it's kind of on to that next part where he needs to carry that over to the field. All right, let's uh, switch gears now and go from quarterback to running back. Running All back right. Coach Ryan Held meeting with members of the media today, and um, interesting position right here. We're going to talk about some names here in a moment that uh, will highlight that. And Coach Held was just asked if there's a running back depth chart right now. Uh, I'm not. I'm not putting anybody. No, the cart is not going to be uh, uh, ahead of the the horse here. It's uh, we're gonna we're gonna just keep playing um, and keep practicing. Uh, there isn't a uh, bell cow, so to speak. We're gonna we're gonna find who those those guys are gonna be because we can't just have one guy. We got to have multiple guys that can execute our offense. Obviously, when it's all said and done, we get ready to play Illinois. It'll shake itself out, but uh, um, I'm not ready to anoint anybody yet. That's the beauty of spring ball. There's a lot of opportunity for uh, good reps and getting guys better. Greg, I'm thinking back to I'm trying to remember if it was. I think it was two seasons ago. It definitely was two seasons ago because you and I were able to catch a couple of practices where we were looking out there at running back, and there wasn't a lot of bodies. <laughs> there, there wasn't there wasn't many guys that we had heard of or or were uh, attractive recruits, so to speak. That's not the case right now. You look out there right now. We're going to go over the names here in a minute, but you know, just to run through through a few of them, Marquis Step. Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, Sevion Morrison, Ronald Tompkins. These are all guys that are good enough to play. Now, how do they separ separate themselves and what type of work consistently do, on, do they do on the field? We'll see. But this is a little different tone than, you know, we were hearing some of the names two springs ago about who was getting some of the running back reps at practice. I'll add one more. Marvin Scott, throw him in there. He got yeah. carries last year as well. And so it's a battle. There's... There's like no pecking order starting this spring, so it's everybody's getting a crack at this thing. I think we anticipate Steps going to be the one that, that comes out on top because of his lineage at USC and that he played for the Trojans out there, but I wouldn't be shocked if a Sevian Morrison leaps up there, maybe even a Gabe Irvin, who I loved his tape, his high school tape out of Georgia. He looks like a bruiser that can knock people over a little bit, so I, this, this, this position fascinates me here this spring. 
Let's start with Step. Coach Held asked about how the USC transfer is progressing. Well, the, the pass protection was, was definitely easy for him, he, he, you know, because uh, they, they threw the ball a lot. Um, you know, the running, the, some of the running concepts were similar. Um, so he's picked it up really well. You know, he takes a lot of notes. He's engaged, really, uh, you know, watching what's happening. And, uh, you know, the key, especially with these new guys, is when the play's going, uh, is to get, we should get two reps every time. The, the person actually doing it and the guys that aren't in should be getting a mental rep. Um, but, you know, it's been a fairly easy transition for him. Um, you know, and him is just, you know, just keep every day going out there and learning what's happening and getting in the film room. And, um, but there's definitely, uh, you know, some positive things that he brings to the table. You got to think about, take a step back and think about this for a second. So, Marquis Step has college experience. We all know that from a big time program at USC. But think about it from his perspective. This is what his first full week, now going on his second full week of practice at a new place. And he doesn't know any, really know any of his teammates. They don't really know him. But at the same time, none of these guys really have a ton of game experience at Nebraska. So, it's almost like they're all kind of starting from the same spot. If anybody has the leg up it's probably Ramir Johnson who has had maybe two or three games as the guy at Nebraska which is more than anybody else can say this is really an interesting situation right now because all these guys that we're about to talk about are basically in the same spot when it comes to experience the next couple we'll talk about Savion Morrison who freshman last year redshirted did not play and Ronald Tompkins who couldn't stay on the field last year coach Held gave his thoughts on those two yeah I mean Savion you know that was the deal um, you know, last year he was rolling and then ended up getting COVID and was knocked out for three weeks. Um, you know, then trying to get back with a week left, it was just hard to get him going. I, if he wouldn't have got knocked out with, uh, with uh, COVID last year, I think uh, he definitely could have contributed toward the end of the year when we were a little thin at, at, at that position. Uh, but Ronald had a good offseason. Um, he's done some good things so far. And, and again, um, every time those guys go out there, it's, it's a competition and everything that they do. That's why I'm grading every single thing to make sure that uh, it's very clear um, who the consistent guys are in the room. So a couple of names there, and we'll finish up with one more. The, the name that Greg mentioned a moment ago, and Gabe Irvin, true freshman from Buford, Georgia. Uh, here's what Coach Held had to say about his young freshman. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a guy that has really good feet. Um, he's got really good vision. He's really smooth in what he does. Um, he's slippery. He can get through there uh, on different things. He catches the ball well, and, and he, it means something to him. He wants to be really really good. He's mad when he doesn't execute a play right, uh, and that's what I want. I want guys where it bothers the heck out of you if you don't do it right. He, he fascinates me. I loved his tape. He had, came from a great program that's used to winning. But I don't know. I, I guess if you have to handicap this thing, you give a slight lean to Marquis Step as being the guy. But th this that's why th this spring is huge. I think the spring game will be big. And obviously when they get back together in August will be huge. I think a couple of them are going to get their opportunities to try to prove they're the number one guy. It'll be fascinating to see how this falls out. Absolutely. You know, Irvin, Irvin had my attention at his offer list um, yeah. when he uh, when he committed Florida State, Georgia. I mean, that's just that's just to name a couple of them. And um, I heard him speak before about his family and, you know, why he likes playing football and his video. And look, it's hard to assume a freshman is going to come in and, you know, 
take this thing over, especially considering how crowded that room is. But I think Gabe Urban's got a shot to be a pretty good player here in Lincoln by the time that, that his 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 uh, eligibility is finished. Um, and another guy that really intrigues me because I know the coaching staff just could not t- stop talking about him last year is Savion Morrison. And he's had a year to work on his body now. And I think Coach Held's quietly – kind of nodding his head up and down at practice going, yep, I think my room's going to be pretty good and I'm ready to, to throw these guys out there and see what they can do. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Baseball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. one Real to left field. Going back is Andrew Kim and it is gone and we have a tie game in Champaign. Five apiece, a grand slam home run. For Spencer Swellenbach. An in-depth look at the Nebraska baseball program. Lefty comes set. Here's the 2-2 pitch to Matthews. Matthews hits one well to left, backing up his aid. He's to the wall, and it is off the top of the wall. One run scores. Here comes Everett to score. Motoring around a third is Banjoff. And for the second time this season, Bryce Matthews has delivered a bases-clearing double. This one gives Nebraska a 7-6 lead. With the head coach, Will Bolt. The 2-1 to Acker. Joe launches one to left. Eight is back to the wall. He looks, and it is gone. Joe Acker, his second home run of the weekend, and the Huskers are pouring it on. Seven runs home on the two-run shot from Acker, and it's 9-6 to six after Acker stomps home. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Baseball Radio Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Great to be with you tonight. Here are the numbers if you want to be a part of the program. 531-500-4686, either with a call or a text. We're talking ball for the next hour. The Huskers in first place after their efforts this weekend. Nebraska comes home at 13-5 and on the season after winning a hard-fought series over the Illini over the weekend. Coach, I think I think you used the comment a couple times over the weekend. There was a lot in that game. All three of those games, there was a lot in those games, wasn't there? Oh boy, what it felt more like. I mean, the three game weekends are supposed to feel shorter than the four. That one felt like a six game weekend. <laughs> well, yeah, there's it, there's a lot going on, and you kind of knew that going in, didn't you? I mean, I think everybody's got respect for that lineup Illinois puts out there. They're going to test you. They're going to push you, and you're going to have to score with them, particularly in that ballpark. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we knew going into the weekend. I mean, top to bottom, uh, there's a reason they've led the big 10 and hits, um, you know, up there in batting average and just the offensive nature of that ballpark as well. And, um, wasn't quite as offensive as the week before with the high winds, but still certainly ball was flying out of there. Uh, and, and they were, they were tough to handle. They, they had a good blend of, of just rock solid approaches from the right-handed hitters and the left-handed hitters, um, were kind of gotten it going a little bit as well. And, um, yeah, they, it was a lot to handle. We knew it going in that it was going to be, and and uh, you know, luckily our hitters were up to the task to to match match them and ultimately uh, just get a couple more big hits there on Sunday. Sure was uh, that big comeback and the seven run inning got you back in front, and then you didn't let go of it as you take the series two games to one over Illinois. Now come back home to take on Maryland. We got a caller waiting to talk to you, Coach. Let's go to the phones. Bob and Lincoln, you're up first tonight with a head coach. Hey, Coach. Hey, um, you know, that game reminded me of the Buck uh, because of two different two plays that we hadn't seen for a long time until when 
I think it was la- almost the last time I seen one is when you played, and that's the suicide squeeze, and the stealing the home, and it's like, coach, why didn't you do? Why don't we do that here so the fans can get really into? It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, and you know, the tradition of the brooms. Remember that when we had the, oh, yeah. on the on the last day for the sweep. Oh, yeah. They won't let us bring them in. They won't let us bring them into the to uh, Haymarket, and it's just such a shame that you know we can't. Uh, we got to figure something out though for the, you know, for the final game for them sweets because uh, you know I will be there. I will be rocking. You know that. <laughs> no well, doubt. No, Bob. You're. We know you're a super fan, and uh, we really appreciate it. We. Hey, let me tell you what, um, the work that, that Coach Marcuso and, and Coach Harvell and Coach Harvell in the third base coach's box, he's he's pretty relentless and he's uh, he's fearless as well. And, and that's that's what we ask our guys to be. That's what, how we ask our guys to play. Uh, and there were some big moments in those games where our aggression uh, basically helped us win those games. And, and we tell our guys that luck favors the bold. Um, we, we want our guys to, to play that way, to run the bases that way and, and at the plate to, to just have that aggression and um, just the frame of mind that, that coach has the offense in, just ready to compete for nine innings and, and, and play a brand of baseball that's exciting and that, like I said, it's just it's fearless and um, it just puts an awful lot of pressure on the opposing pitcher and defense. Um, you know, just the – the suicide squeeze is something that, that we practice all the time with all of our players. Um, and I can't say that we necessarily practice that straight steal at home, but I, I know it was something that was on the radar throughout the entire weekend. There were a couple times that we just missed having the opportunity. We felt like to, to do that. And uh, what a cool, what a cool moment for Bryce Matthews, uh, true freshman showing just nerves of steel there to, to take that, uh, situation and, and literally run with it to, to get us a big run right there coach i know you're really high on bryce and and he's had some huge hits his average on the year is not great but he's had some big hits had one at round rock against purdue and then obviously the one i thought the biggest blow in that seven run inning was his bases clearing double off the wall in left center field this is a guy i think you've got big hopes for don't you as that you move your program down the road no doubt. And Bryce was a guy that as soon as he stepped foot on campus, everyone could tell his his athleticism, the charisma in which he plays with, um, his work habits. Uh, he's just a guy that he's got a lot of ability, and you can see it defensively and then offensively too. He was one of our most consistent hitters uh, the entire fall facing our pitching staff. Um, and I, it's kind of been well documented that our pitchers – kind of handed it to the lineup this fall um, with how they performed, which gave us a pretty good indication that we felt like we were going to be a better, a better staff, a pitching staff than, um, you know, than what we had last year. But yeah, Bryce has been, you know, again, it's, it's, it's something that freshmen go through. Um, and, and Bryce has been a multi-sport athlete. He's been an all-stater, uh, just always been uh such a good player and he still is and i think just dealing with failure and learning how to deal with that is something that every freshman has to come in and do and everybody uh kind of goes at a different pace and but bryce has been super clutch for us he's played an outstanding second base for us as well he certainly is a big part of this team um even when he hasn't played he's been an amazing teammate uh he's been a hard worker um and, and baseball tends to pay those guys back so it was it was Pretty cool moment to see him have that big hit and then and still the 
still the base there. Uh, it was, you know, a guy that's got a lot of tools, a lot of skills that was putting on display in a, in a huge game on, on a Sunday. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Dorothy Lynch, home style and light and lean dressing, endless flavorabilities. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Grand Island. And Chris, good evening. Chris, you're up with the head coach. Hey, Coach, how are you this evening? I'm great, Chris. Thanks. How are you? Okay, not too bad. A uh, couple questions for you. It's about one will be about your hitting, and the other one will be about your pitching. Well, first we'll do about your pitching. It seems like, from what I can be hearing on the radio, it seems like that your pitching is mostly vastly improved from the first game of the season. It seems like your kids are getting more involved and they're taking their time and uh, delivering the right pitch. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think certainly on the mound um, we've had some really big moments. I mean, we've we've gotten ourselves in some jams at times uh, because we've. We've thrown some strikes, but we also uh, have given up some hits. You know, I mean, you're going to give up hits um, as a pitching staff, and that's okay. You'd rather have that than the hit batter and then the walk and then the hits that come behind that. What The thing that I've been very impressed with with our pitching staff is when we get ourselves in jams, we've really competed well, and we've made some high-quality pitches uh, and, and pitched with a lot of confidence in some big spots to, to get off the field and – and you've got to have that. You've got to have that as a pitching staff because um, you you are gonna you are gonna be perfect every day. But you've got to really bear down when you've got those opportunities to get off the field uh, and make some pitches. And you've got to you've got to be able to have the ability to get a shutdown inning. We call it. So when our offense scores, you need to go back out and, and get the offense. Uh, back up at the plate as quick as possible, and, and our guys have done a nice job of that over the course of the year as well. So um, it's been it's been good to see that. Yeah, I, I, and I think some fans see the scores of these games and they worry about your pitching, but they're not there. And they don't know the conditions, right? I mean, and it was certainly it was conducive to run scoring and good swings were rewarded with balls that went out of the park. And and Illinois is a good team, so I I hope people aren't panicky right now. And I, I don't think you or the staff are panicky by some of the numbers that were put up over the weekend. No, not at all. I mean, I, Chance Roach would be the first one to tell you he just really didn't have great stuff um, right. on Saturday. I mean, it's just not what we're used to seeing from him. But he, he got us a, an opportunity to, to get back in the game by saving the bullpen just a bit um, on Saturday. And, um, I, you know, Shea, they were on him, you know, really from the, the, the get-go in the game. And we just didn't really have a, any wiggle room there on Sunday to win the series. We had uh, you know, some guys we felt like were ready out of the bullpen. And I thought Cody Frank did an outstanding job of um, you know, giving us the hold and and really giving us a shot. So um, yeah, there's I mean there's going to be some some weekends where you give up runs, uh, but what you're looking for I think we only walked seven guys on the entire weekend, so you can you can live with that. You just want to eliminate the free bases and maybe just make sure that you're making more quality pitches when you're throwing strikes. Um, I, I'd say that would probably be the only thing we could look at over the, the weekend is with a good hitting team. We, what we saw from Cody, what we saw from Cade, what we, of course, Spencer, when he came in there, um, and, and Buns, for that matter, just the quality of strikes that you're throwing, it, it's hitting the corners, hitting the edges, and then getting the hitters a little bit anxious because of that and being able to put them away. So um, those are things that we'll hone in on um, over the course of this week and uh, you know, just moving forward as well. Let's go to Plattsmouth next. And, Drew, good evening. Drew, you're up with the head baseball coach. 
Oh, hey, Coach. Hey, uh, best investment I made this year is $10 Nebraska Pass on Big Ten Network. I've been able to watch every one of your games, so that's been great. Uh, my question, though, is in regards to setting the lineup each game. Um, it seems like you have quite a challenge there, and I'm just wondering if you can kind of take us into your mindset as far as how you're going back making those decisions, especially like whether the DH Max or play Epri at third or uh, Luke or Griff, uh, Ever Griffin at catcher and uh, second base and just all the way through. I mean, do you like rotating the guys or would you like to kind of settle into a uh, set lineup there throughout the season? So I'll just hang up and listen. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. No, that's a really good question because on a good team and a good offensive team, it's tough. It's tough for us as a, as a coaching staff to determine on a given day uh, who we're going to play. And, and those are good problems to have because you feel like you've got a lot of really quality options. Um, you know, I think the things that you can look at with our lineup, it's been pretty consistently the one through six in the order have been uh, at least over the course of the last 10 or 11 games since we moved Joe to the leadoff spot. Um, we've, we've really been pretty consistent with the top of the lineup um, as far as the, the one through six goes. Uh, we, you know, we've played Efry at third base. Um, typically when Roach pitches, he's going to get a ton of ground balls. Uh, we feel like he's one of our best defenders that way, and it, it gives him an opportunity to stay involved. Max has been in the lineup every day. Um, obviously, he's been one of our best hitters. Um, he feel like he's settled into that five hole really nicely. It feels like he's hitting with guys on base all the time, and that's a good thing for us. So, um, you know, he's we kind of eased him in into third base a little bit. It's a new position for him. Even though we played it uh, in the fall, it's a new position for him. Um, the speed of the game, just getting used to that. We So we've eased him into that a little bit, um, kind of picking our spots uh, where we feel like that that's going to work. Um, you know, with Bryce Matthews, uh, you know, being our second baseman to start the year, hit a little bit of a rough patch offensively. Um, we need we know we needed Cam Chick in the lineup. Um, so he had a home at second base, um, you know, to try to get a couple of more of the outfielders some time. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys out there that are buying for at-bats uh, that way as well. And then Luke Roskam uh, really got it going offensively. Um, and it came at a time where Jack Style had been swinging about really well for us, but he, he got hurt. Um, he, he had a little bit of an injury um, that sent him back the Minnesota weekend. Um, so Luke got in there, took the most of his opportunity at first base, and kind of ran with it, and, and it's just been very consistent for us. Um, Everett has typically caught Povich and Shanneman. Uh, those are the guys that uh, he seems to have a really good rapport with. And then uh, uh, Roach, uh, him and, and Luke, uh, and, and Gunner for that matter as well, seem to have a good rapport. And just the way that they kind of received his pitches, the stinker ball type guy, um, it just there's there seems to be some, some some good chemistry that way as well. So we just look at the matchups on the mound. Uh, we look at you know how guys are performing in batting practice, what their body language is like. I mean, when it's so razor thin when it comes to talent, um, you know, with, with certain things, we we look at a lot of the intangibles day in and day out. How's a guy? How consistent is a guy's BP? How consistent has he been in defense and BP? Because we're in batting practice, we're taking live reps in the outfield and the infield, so we can get a really good look at how guys are performing that way as well. And um, so there, there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. Sometimes you just play a hunch. Uh, sometimes you're playing matchups, and other times you're just playing the hot hand. And, and I've mentioned this before. 
with the unique uh, aspect of this schedule this year, we just don't really have an opportunity to, to just kind of let guys ride out uh, long batting slumps. I mean, we, we've got to have guys in there that we feel like are going to give us a great shot. Um, both offensively and defensively uh, with all these games counting towards the conference standings. The same thing goes for the mound as well. But a uh, bit of a long-winded answer, but I thought that was, that's a great question because that's a, something that when you have a really good team with a lot of depth, those conversations are had daily with our coaching staff. Drew, appreciate the phone call. Buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. On our text line, Coach Dennis and Lincoln, when you got down five runs, what did you say to the team to get them going? Well, I wasn't real happy at the beginning of that game, to be honest, um, on <laughs> Sunday. I didn't I didn't feel like we – it wasn't that we weren't ready to play. I just felt like Illinois had really taken it to us at the front of that game. I mean, they had, they had made every play defensively. We seemed to be a step slow defensively at times. Um, we weren't on the fastball the way we needed to be with a guy that we knew had a good fastball going into it. We obviously didn't set a very good tone on the mound. Um, I, I just told the team, if we if we want to do anything in this game, we've got to flip our mindset, flip our attitude, and stop worrying about things that we can't control, whether it be the umpires or just anything else. Um, you can kind of get in that mode when things aren't going your way. Man, we hit that ball hard. You know, When are we going to catch a break? Or if, if only we got the call behind the plate or at second base and – those are things, quite frankly, that mentally tough teams don't worry about. Um, so in a very nice way, I reminded our guys of that in about the fourth inning of the game. <laughs> and, they, and they responded well. I mean, uh, just like they have all year long, uh, they they responded. And I thought for the last six innings of that game, we played uh, a complete game. Here we are, Hour 3, Sports Nightly Championship Monday. Here in about uh, 15 minutes, they're tipping off Gonzaga-Baylor. I've gone back and forth, Ben, on my pick for this one. Well, I know we'll talk more about the uh, how we got to this championship game here in a moment, but uh, looking forward to this one tonight. Our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Our Rewind coming up next, and later in the hour, we'll have our weekend winners. Let's get into it with the Rewind. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Second down, 20, 5.03 to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. Isaiah, shot clock turned off. Game clock at 8. He's going to do it himself. Thomas, shake. It's the Weekend Rewind with Ben McLaughlin. Spoiler alert, that may not be the last second J call we hear in this segment tonight. Okay, we will uh, get there in a minute. But as always, we start 
with Husker Sports. We'll start first with Husker Baseball. Just heard from head coach Will Bolt. Appreciate everybody that participated in the chat via call or text. And uh, look forward to seeing the Huskers back in action this week against Maryland. But first, we start with the action this weekend in Champaign. Final recap of what we saw this weekend for Will Bolt's Huskers. We'll start first on Saturday, Illinois and Nebraska. The Illini got out to a 4-0 lead, and Nebraska erased the deficit, ends up taking the lead, but Illinois gets a two-run home run in the eighth inning to even the series 10-8, the final score. But then on Sunday, things got weird. Once again, Illinois took a lead, this time 5-0, but then Nebraska came storming back thanks to a seven-run sixth inning. The 2-1 to Ackert. Joe launches one to left. Eight is back to the wall. He looks, and it is gone. Joe Acker, his second home run of the weekend, and the Huskers are pouring it on. Seven runs home on the two-run shot from Acker, and it's 9-6 to six after Acker stomps home. What an inning. I mean, and that wasn't that wasn't even the most exciting inning, believe it or not. How about that? Seven runs in an inning, and things just got even crazier in the eighth. But the Huskers hang on for the 12-7 win and the series win over Illinois. That's two times, Greg. We finished road series is walking away like that was pretty big. Iowa and now Illinois. Getting those series wins are huge. I mean, we had a uh, fan one time <laughs> talking about why we got so excited about series wins well they're really important and the Huskers got another one this weekend and I think it's a pretty good Illinois team at least their offenses they're, they got to be up there at the tops of the league great resume builders right both beating the Hawkeyes in their ballpark and now the Illini in theirs that's what you have to show the committee as you know in, a, in a, about seven weeks we're going to be talking about where does this thing go and I think Nebraska certainly has as of now the look of a postseason team you hope that continues. All right, let's talk a little bit about the pitching. I heard you talk to Coach Bolt about that this weekend. I've gotten a couple of questions with with concerned fans about the pitching, and I think you, you hit it on the head with Coach Bolt. Conditions in two of the road series have not been preferable to pitching, and even I'll even go back to the weekend in Minneapolis. That park played small, too, uh, in, 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 in U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. So that's really three weekends, if you think about it, that's 10 games where your pitchers are pitching to, to hitter-friendly parks, and I wouldn't push the panic button just yet. We've seen how good they can be, I guess. Where are you at with the staff? Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know that the, that the front-line starters are as good as some past groups that we've had. I mean, you think back to the, the, the 19 team where Matt Waldron was just lights out. I mean, if you didn't get seven solid out of Matt, you felt like something was wrong. Nate Fisher had some dynamite outings. Reese Eddins lifted the team up. So I don't know that they're quite on that level, but I think they have more depth in the bullpen than some of those other teams have had. And, and offensively, that's where this group makes up for it. But, I, I, I you know, I, this, this, I'm still nervous about where the front-line pitching is with this team. And it does help that you have one of the probably top three best closers in college baseball on your team, too with Spencer Schwellenbach. When you got close games at the end, in those offensive games, he can come through. Husker softball in action this weekend. They're in Piscataway taking on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Huskers win the first two games going away. They win 12-3 and 8-1, but then they lose 10-6, and then they come back and lose 2-1 on Sunday. So uh, a split against a Rutgers team that's quite frankly not very good. So I think Coach Ravel probably wants that Sunday game back. It was a late home run for Rutgers that gave them the 2-1 lead, but 
Um, they walk away with the weekend with an 11 and nine overall record. Let's go back to what you said earlier about people get got on us about saying, "Well, you want to get series wins." Well, there's a great case. They didn't get a series win. Think about how much different they feel if they go three one compared to two two. It's just a huge swing in in where you're going with this team. That like the baseball team, softball back home this weekend as well. Illinois comes here this weekend, and they'll need to they'll need to keep uh, putting some wins on the board. Absolutely. Um, so there you go. There's a look at the the ball bass sports. Let's talk volleyball here quickly. Obviously, no match for the Huskers, but we did find out that they'll be a number five national seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, they're going to play on a Thursday at two thirty, and they'll have to run through Texas, and they'll have to run through uh, Wisconsin if they want to reach the finals. So thoughts on the draw for Coach Cook's Huskers? Yes, I think John Cook said it's challenging. It is. I mean. You have the five seeds. So you're just right outside the top four, which if you just if it plays to chalk, if it colhanes itself, then you wouldn't be a Final Four team. But you certainly, I think, have the ability to do that. Texas is the four seed. I think Nebraska is capable of beating them. What else? This will just be a to totally different animal, this tournament reports. this year. Played in one side, played Time on for us multiple to get- courts at once for the first couple rounds. It's just going to be odd. And, and I don't like the fact that Nebraska to throw these guys is going to go almost three do. weeks, Ben, without a match. That's a long time to try to keep yourself sharp. Absolutely. So we will uh, keep our eyes and ears on Husker softball as that tournament approaches. All right, let's switch over to the NCAA tournament final four matchups in Indianapolis, starting first with Houston and Baylor, the two seed and the one seed from the right side of your bracket. This thing was all Baylor Bears. In no hurry with three minutes to go, seven to shoot. Flips it to the corner to Mitchell. Three more. Location. And that gives him his double-double now with 12 and 11. The Nebraska baseball and Baylor show. rolls up the Houston Cougars 78-59. to Baylor 27-2 entering the title game in here mere moments. And I think for a while there, Greg, Baylor was proven to be one of the number one teams in the country. But there's another team on the other end that never lost. But I think Baylor, a lot of people thought um, – has the best chance of any to beat uh, beat the almighty number one. They they had so many COVID issues in January. Or heck, go back to December. They had their game with Gonzaga postponed because of COVID. And I just think it's it's taken them a while to kind of get cranked back up again. And they certainly are now. That was that was impressive what they did to Houston. It is a really talented team. Terrific guard play, and that's what's going to give them a real shot to win a national title tonight. The other game, the one game not so good. Another game was great. We heard, saw some people on Twitter calling this one of the best college basketball games ever. I don't know if they'd go that far, but it was a tremendous basketball game in Indy between the 11 seed, the surprise of the tournament, the UCLA Bruins taking on 30-0 and at the time, Gonzaga Bulldogs, and this was as crazy of a finish as they come. To the right side of the floor, defended by Kispert now. Drives, leans in, the runner comes up short. Juzang, though, rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90. Three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way. Pull up three for the win. Yes! Yes! Send yes! of the championship game. He knocked no! from 40 at the buzzer. Yes! The Bulldogs. Wow! Play for a national championship! They gotta review it, honey! What a finish! Color guy couldn't contain himself there all over the poor guy trying to make the call. That's Gonzaga Radio there. 93-90 to the final. 
Jalen Suggs hits the game winner from about 40 feet to knock out UCLA. What a game. But this sets up the matchup that we've all been waiting for. Number one and number two for about 95 to 98% of the season, Gonzaga and Baylor. I think uh, think we're all ready for this one to happen. Absolutely. It was a tremendous game, and and both – stars for UCLA and Gonzaga made plays late. That's what made it so enticing is that somebody had to go win that. Somebody didn't lose it. Somebody had to go win that. And that's exactly what took place in that national semifinal. If we get something close to that tonight, I'll be be a giddy guy tomorrow if uh, we get something close to that here starting in a couple minutes. You bet. All right, let's go to the women's side of things. National championship down in San Antonio. All Pac-12 final, the three seed, Arizona, battling a number one overall seed, not the overall seed, but number one seed, Stanford Cardinal. And Stanford able to hang on 54-53. A missed three-pointer at the top of the key at the buzzer would have sunk it for the Wildcats, but Stanford holds on. Great game. A couple of really good games in the final four uh, for the women and their side of things down in the state of Texas. I think they might have been the number one overall seed. I think Stanford maybe was Were they? Uh, going into that term. But you're right. One of those, the one of the national semifinals, ended uh, with the missed layup at the gun that would have switched the result. Stanford would have been out. It was I think it was South Carolina had them beat. Couldn't make a little short bunny, and so Stanford then survives uh, in the finals. So great final four for the women and the men. Certainly tracking that way with this game that's about ready to tip. Yeah. News and notes in Major League Baseball, the opening weekend for MLB this weekend. And uh, starting first with the Kansas City Royals, good weekend for them as they um, hit the ball quite a bit. They lose yesterday, but win the series against the Texas Rangers. Slow start for the Atlanta Braves offensively. Zach Wheeler dominant on Saturday, and Aaron Nola with a big start on opening day for the Phils. They were pitching to an ERA of under one. Uh, the Mets have two runs on them right now in the top of the seventh inning, but they're off to a great start. The Astros obliterating the baseball against the A's this weekend. Uh, so good news there if you're a Houston Astros fan or if you picked the Houston Astros what? to maybe win the World Series on this what? year program. Didn't you Didn't you tell me there was some kind of a music selection in Oakland directed toward the Astros? <laughs> what, what was it? it oh, it was... Uh, Carrie was it? Underwood? Yeah, yeah. Before He Cheats. Yeah, they're, 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 the PA played Before He Cheats as they're reading <laughs> off their starting lineup. That's pretty great. Uh, Nick Castellanos and the St. Louis Cardinals get in a bit of a dust-up on Saturday as sure those did. two teams no love lost, but the Reds get the last laugh on Sunday, winning 12-1 to over St. Louis. And then we'll finish it up with some exciting uh, matchup on Sunday night baseball. Shohei Otani, Greg, started on the mound. He batted in the two spot. That's the first time that's happened with a starting pitcher bats in the top two in order since 1908. It's the first time it's happened in over 100 years. His first strikeout of the game registered at 101 miles an hour for Shohei Otani. That, at the time, was the fastest pitch in Major League Baseball of the season so far. Then he comes up to bat in the bottom of the first and did this. First pitch swinging. And first pitch crushing! Oh, man! Lean into it! One-nothing Angels! Just hear the sound off the bat of that ball. So he threw a a pitch, 101 miles an hour, fastest registered pitch. 
Then he hit a ball, 117 miles an hour exit velocity. That was the hardest hit ball registered in Major League Baseball to that to that point. So in an inning, he had the fastest pitch and the hardest hit ball, a 451 foot wow. home run, and he had uh, a no a no hitter going through four. I think he was perfect through four. He pitched two hit ball into the fifth. He had an awkward play covering home on a pass ball. He was removed from the game after that, and of course with injury concerns with him. Um, Angels pulled him out of the game. They've said nothing's wrong. He's fine. Just ready to get him out of the game uh, to earn the win, try and earn the win. Angels do get a walk-off home run and win it 7-4, to four, but what an unbelievable talent. And, and I think we, we kind of forget about him because of his injury issues, but there were some people uh, across Major League Baseball that I was reading some tabloids entering the season, Greg, that said this: if he stays healthy, he's an MVP caliber player, and he kind of showed why last night. Can't, just that you said the key thing, though. Can the guy stay healthy? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know that you can do both at that level with your body holding up. I sure hope so. I'm rooting for it. I sure, I sure hope that's the case. But because he's an amazing talent, we were down. Were you with me that week? We were down at the spring training site. Yep. And Aaron, the year and, uh, that he he yeah. broke that he showed up in an angel uniform, and he's got Darren Erstad's old Angels number that he wears, and so they were talking to Darren. Uh, when he was showing up at camp just to get his thought about a guy like Otani wearing his jersey. There was over 100 Japanese media there covering spring training. That's how big of a deal it was for him. But, yeah, uh, absolutely phenomenal talent. And He's not in the lineup today, but, they, again, Angel said that he's fine and um, should be in the lineup again real soon. All right, we don't normally um, – talk about the Valero Texas Open, but we probably ought to as Jordan Spieth wins the tournament. 18 under par. First tournament he's won in how long? Four years, I believe. I think 2017 is the last time he won one. Crazy. Puts him in uh, a little momentum going to the Masters, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that leads us up to the big one this weekend. Everybody's favorite tournament, or most favorite tournament. And there you go. We will yep. uh, we'll have that next week. On All the right. Rewind. This thing's about to tip. You're going Gonzaga, right? Yep. I am too, but I don't feel great about it. Tim, what's your pick before this thing tips off? Give me the Zags. And I do, I do feel good about it because uh, yeah. yeah, I got the Timmy connection. So, you know, it's all there. Okay. All good. All right. We'll keep an eye on it as we uh, finish up our program here tonight. Good fun weekend. Great to have Major League Baseball back in your rewind. Ben, it's fun to hear that. Absolutely. And I felt bad because I haven't really been able to to, to watch much, and I, I felt terrible about it. I just couldn't keep up with it. Got fantasy NBA basketball playoffs coming up soon, so I got to lock into that. We were calling a baseball series, got to lock into that. Final four going on, and my brain can only handle so much. Yeah, well, you'll take college basketball off the plate tonight, so that, that'll lighten your load a little bit. Get that going. All right, uh, 531-500-4686, the number if you want to dot us up with a comment or question or fire off a text using our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. Back with more Sports Highly coming up. All right, weekend winners. Ben, what you got? My weekend winner is Bryce Matthews. I think watching him play baseball yesterday was a real treat. Um, he really sparked the game with that bases clearing double, the steal of home. He's just a just a, an amazing young man and uh, guy who opened the season at, as a starter at second base. Really struggled and 
Um, you know, to see him come back the way that he did in a big situation. And uh, we mentioned he's hitting under 220, but you think about some of the big hits he's had this year. The bases clearing double against Purdue. He had the home run um, against Ohio State. And then he had, you know, another bases clearing double against Illinois. I'm just really happy for him, and hopefully that can continue on for some great success. No doubt. Good, good for him, and he's a guy that I know the staff really feels like is going to be a cornerstone of their team the next couple of years. All right, Tim Curran. Well, my weekend winner, we actually uh, heard earlier in the hour during the rewind, the gentleman who you guys could hear exclaiming over that final call of the Gonzaga buzzer beater was none other than Adam Morrison uh, of, of Gonzaga <laughs> fame. Right. So he got his revenge watching uh, what, you know, in 2006 was – you know, a disaster. Gonzaga committed, I think, three turnovers in the last 15 seconds, which gifted UCLA the win. Well, this time, uh, fortune favored the Zags, and, and they got the win, and, and Adam Morrison was pretty pleased about that. Probably not pleased right now as Baylor leads Gonzaga 31-14 uh, with, in the first half here, but uh, at least over the weekend, he was certainly a winner. Great. Austin. Yeah, Zags aren't going away just yet. I still have more points to put up in the uh, Sports Nightly bracket competition, so not giving up hope on the Zags yet. My weekend winner, though, I take a similar tack as Ben. I go with Spencer Schwellenbach on the other side of the Husker infield. Heck of a weekend for him, three for five with a walk and a run driven in, as well as a save in game one. I worked game two. He hits that grand slam to tie the game at five, and that's where I thought the game was going to turn. Nebraska so close to so many other hits. I thought Schwellenbach's Grand Slam would be the one to really turn the tide. Unfortunately, ultimately not, but not to worry. He came back for game three. All he did, a two-run home run and an RBI double, a couple innings pitched with three strikeouts. No big deal. Heck of a weekend for Schwelly. And as Will Bolt said last hour, enjoy him while we got him because it's probably going to be the last year that Schwellenbach dons the Husker uniform. He's that good. The Pro Scouts are all over Spencer looking to the Major League Baseball draft coming up in June. All right, you're going to have to go with me, guys, on on my winner of the week because he didn't win, but he's a winner, and that's Jordan Burroughs, the great Husker wrestler who uh, his bid to make the U.S. team for the Tokyo Olympics this summer came to an end he, he got beat saturday night so he's done but my goodness you talk about an amazing career uh one of the most decorated huskers of all time and what a great guy too i think i think we've got a bunch of us have had a chance to talk to jordan but wow what a great career gold medalist and uh father time usually gets you jordan's getting a little long in the two so this is probably the last he didn't say this in his social media post afterwards that he's retiring but Probably his best days are behind him, and what an amazing career that guy's had. Yeah, an awesome guy, too. I mean, I've had a chance a few times to be around Jordan, spend time with him, and talk with him. He, What an amazing ambassador for not just his sport wrestling, not just for the University of Nebraska, but our community. I mean, he's very involved. Um, I mean, he's... He's got a, a couple of young kids and just always present. We, we've even had him up in the booth for a baseball game. He's just an awesome guy. And, um, I mean, man, you talk about a guy that's represented his country, represented his, his alma mater, his family, and his community well. It's, you just can't really put into words what he's meant to the University of Nebraska and, and really to the United States just going over there and taking care of business on the mat. Yeah, you think about all the Olympic promotions for the last couple of games, and he was front and center. He was one of the athletes that the U.S. Olympic Committee kind of put out there as a great representative of the country, and he did such an amazing job. And it's 
Nebraska and Lincoln have been fortunate to have Jordan and his family here as long as they have. I think they'll probably end up going back to Jersey where he grew up now that his playing career is close to being over with. But didn't want this show to go without mentioning our appreciation and love and, and respect for Jordan Burroughs, one of the great Huskers of all time, who lost his match to make the Olympic team the other night. I guarantee you the guy that beat him is going to win the gold. He's just a phenomenal wrestler. Uh, so Jordan Burroughs' career has come to an end. Buckle up, put that phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Great show tonight. John Cook Live is volleyball hour tomorrow night. It's Top 10 Tuesday. The boys are dragging their feet on what the topic is. I guess we'll have to figure that out tomorrow. I Somebody's got to come up with one. Austin, Tim, ben, somebody's got to come up with a topic for tomorrow night, right? We've, we've never not come through, so odds are in our favor. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, we'll have fun with that one tomorrow night. We always do. All right, uh, thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, to all of you for listening tonight. Enjoy the game. Sorry it's over, but enjoy the game. Talk to you tomorrow.